and extremes of rough and icy seas that took ships on a mere whim of wild animals in the depths imagination and fancy filled any disagreeable gaps in knowledge for only a handful of adventurers had penetrated this inhospitable region and returned to tell a plausible tale the antarctic remained stubbornly off the map save for a smattering of islands and disconnected coastlines many of them considered highly suspect, peppering a swathe of white. Never has a continent been more misunderstood. Antarctica is on a scale hard to grasp. At over 14 million square kilometres, it is second only to Russia in coverage of the Earth's surface and bigger than all the countries of Europe combined. It is the world's highest continent, with an average altitude of 2,300 metres, It contains more than 70% of the world's fresh water, locked up as 30 million cubic kilometres of snow and ice, which, if melted, would raise the planet's seas by an estimated 65 metres, easily flooding the likes of Sydney, London and New York. The bitterly cold air on its upper surface contains virtually no moisture, making the Antarctic interior the world's largest desert while the rocks that make up the rest of the continent span almost the entire age of the Earth. The wildlife along its fringes is some of the most diverse on the planet. Yet its human history is short. Antarctica was the last continent to be discovered and explored. We have only ventured there in the past two centuries. Land was sighted for the first time in 1820. Landfall was made in 1821 and people stayed for their first winter in 1899. Even the Ellsworth Mountains, where I was working in early 2011, were not explored properly until the 1960s. In ancient times, the Greeks believed there must be a land in the south to counterbalance the Arctic. They coined the word Antarcticus, opposite the bear referring to the constellation Ursa Major, the Great Bear which hung over the northern sky. When Antarctica was finally discovered, explorers commonly made comparisons to the polar north, often with disastrous consequences for their expeditions. Over time, as scientific methods became established, a unique land of ice, snow and rock revealed itself. By the turn of the 20th century, enough information had been pieced together to suggest a continent lay in these polar waters. Reports were made of seemingly endless coastlines, of isolated mountain ranges and volcanoes, of ice shelves and glacier tongues that jutted tens of kilometres into the southern ocean. Here was a new frontier, a continent untouched by humankind, waiting to be explored and claimed. Disparate groups of would-be explorers, scientists and cartographers were soon dispatched south to see what else might be down there. The early 20th century's heroic age of Antarctic exploration was born. But explorers did not battle sub-zero temperatures and ice-scarred landscapes just to conquer land, bag a pole or grow an impressive beard. These expeditionary teams, even those intent on scoring a geographical first, went south to scientifically explore the new continent. The pursuit of glory was not enough. 
A scientific case had to be made to national academies and societies to ensure the financial support the expeditions so desperately needed. The explorers wanted to understand what made Antarctica tick and set off intending to bring back sledge loads of rocks, plant and animal remains and measurements of the air, snow and ice. By 1912, five national teams, representing the old and new worlds, were diligently venturing beyond the edge of the known world. Although the British expedition, led by Captain Robert Falcon Scott and Roald Amundsen's Norwegian effort, are the best known today, there were others. Nobu Shirase, for Japan, Wilhelm Filchner, for Germany, and Douglas Mawson, for Australia and New Zealand. Their discoveries not only enthralled the world, they changed our understanding of the planet. During this one year, at the height of the heroic age of Antarctic exploration, the door to Antarctica was flung open.